Over 30 years of serving the Arizona homeowner. 14 years in a row ranking Arizona's best referral network. RosieOnTheHouse.com. Protecting you, informing you, and educating you. It's Rosie on the House. Good morning, Arizona homeowners. Hour two of Rosie on the House this Saturday morning, and we are broadcasting live from the Tucson Convention Center for the SABA, Southern Arizona Home Builders Association Spring Home Show. We come down here twice a year, join our Pima County homeowners, Cochise County, Santa Cruz County friends, Pinal County comes on down, and we get to meet a lot of folks who are regular listeners of the show. Yesterday, we had a ton of people coming up to the booth introducing themselves, and uh, it, was, it was with great joy. We also did a little demonstration on stage that we'll be repeating again this afternoon. It's called Room Transformations 101, and we've got a stage set up where I actually take a boring, very boring Navajo white, plain drywall with inch and a quarter, streamlined base, the most boring stuff you could get. And I show you how to convert it into, we painted it mint green. We took a dark green uh, semi-gloss and painted the window trim, the window sill, the baseboard, the crown molding, and it's Room Transformation 101. We'll be doing that again at 2.30. Uh, enjoy doing that and showing people how, how you can take that middle bedroom that's so boring that now maybe the kids have moved out and you've empty nested reclaim it and go in there it's easy to do and make it jazzy so that's the saba home show we're here all weekend uh we were here yesterday all day today through six o'clock and sunday tomorrow from 10 to 5 at the tucson convention center the producers tell me it's a completely sold out show they've got all the floor space in the convention center completely taken up with home improvement and service vendors uh so if you're in the area come on down and join us now before we get to the topic i have the surprising email of the week and surprising? it's i think julia sent it to us and it's the house that exploded in Layton, utah that's tragic um it's very fortunate no one was killed but it is on a website for ktvx salt lake city and it is a house a two-story house in Layton, Utah, where the couple were working in the basement and the furnace or the water here ignited. They were using flammable material in the basement and it literally blew the side of the house off onto the neighbor's house. The entire two-story wall is completely separated from the house. Pretty tragic for the couple, too. They were very, very badly burned. Yeah, the neighbor... I haven't heard an update yet. Uh, the neighbor account, as I saw, too, he was carrying her out. They were stumbling. I guess they were burned pretty good, but it, apparently they'll be okay. So it, the lesson learned there is, gosh, they were using acetone, apparently, to clean something down in the basement. And uh, the thermostat triggered, a gas furnace lit, something. And kaboom. So thank goodness. Thank goodness they're not hurt. But boy. Well, if they couldn't, if they weren't able to get out of that basement, uh, you know, they they wouldn't have survived. Yeah. I mean, it was just one flash explosion. The the fire chief says, 
I'm not so worried about their burns. Their burns are pretty good, but they'll survive. I, I can't imagine what they're what they've got from the percussion in in their body from oh. the explosion. So that was the second part. So let's let's be careful out there for and sure. It wasn't even a gas furnace, is what blows my mind. It was an electric one. Yeah, it was the thermostat spark. Yeah. That's all it took. Mm. Okay. Uh, now the topic we have been covering. Uh, lawns and lawn transitions, landscape transitions from winter to spring to summer here with John J. Harper that first hour. And we wanted to stay a little bit on landscaping and planting here this hour because we're getting a lot of questions from newcomers coming into Arizona. Maricopa County, again, makes the headlines as the fastest-growing county in America. I don't know how long we can keep this up. Uh, so we know a lot of, a long time because we still have a lot of flat land that ooh. developers can uh, stack homes on. Well, they can, they sure can, and boy, they're and they are stacking them vertical. I mean, the the, the traffic density is just getting for somebody who's been around as long as we have. Uh, it was a nice old town. It was a nice little town in 1968. <laughs> but uh, so we're fastest growing. Got a lot of new people coming in, and we've heard it for years people that had that favorite plant in their front yard along the sidewalk coming up to the door or the front yard planter or the back patio, they want to bring that plant and bring it in to the Phoenix climate, the Arizona climate. So we decided we would reach out to one of our certified partners, Think Green Design Build Landscape, and invite Angelique Kerbaugh in, their designated landscape architect, who's an Arizona gal. So she can help us kind of make our way through these plant selections. Angelique, thanks for coming in studio this morning. Of course. Good morning, everyone. Tell us a little bit about your background and and uh, your, your, your training and what you're currently doing. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I am an Arizona native. I grew up in Phoenix for the beginning of my childhood, and then I lived in northern Arizona through the end of high school. Um, And then I came back down to Phoenix for school. So I went to ASU. I have a degree in landscape architecture and urban planning. So the beginning of my career started out at a firm who did more urban planning work. Um, But we designed neighborhoods and clubhouses and parks and things like that in the neighborhood. And then I transitioned over to Think Green in 2017, where now my focus is more on that smaller scale, scale residential work. So I get to work more hands-on with homeowners to create that beautiful outdoor living space that in Arizona everyone really wants. We can live outside so much of our year. You mentioned the term smaller scale residential. It's smaller scale than some of the big commercial stuff you were doing, but y'all do some big yards. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) We are not doing as much commercial work um, like I was doing previously, but yes, we do all scales of residential work. you know, we're creating pools and pergolas and backyards of many different scales, um, as well as front yards or courtyards. We can do any of those things to create something that's really special and unique for that particular homeowner. Well, we have a lot of people that visit with us and, you know, after they've relocated to Phoenix. And I'd love to hear the Phoenix area, the Tucson area, the desert floor in general. Uh, what do you have? What plant do you have to talk people out of? Uh, more often than not. What are the ones they want to bring from home? Um, Definitely roses, I think, are one that we get requested a lot. 
Um, so on that one, I don't normally try and fully talk them out of. I just try and educate them on, um, you know, the the more maintenance-heavy and water-heavy fertilizers and things like that that roses take here that they may not have taken back east. Uh, my family is actually from Michigan, so you know, my grandfather moved to Arizona and all he wanted here were his roses. But he was outside many hours every day tending to these roses and they looked incredible, but he's put a lot of effort into them. So for our typical homeowner who is working and has kids and has a busy life that we all seem to have these days, um, they're not exactly ready for that level of commitment and taking care of roses. So we usually try and find something else that has color and, you know, potentially even has blooms that you can cut to bring inside without the maintenance and the water requirements of roses. What are the list off the top of your head that you would recommend? Maybe a little lower maintenance that you could do the clipping and bring them inside. Are they as aromatic as a rose? What are some of those plants? Um, as far as cuttings go, even something like a bougainvillea, some of us have those and we have maybe a love-hate relationship with them and their litter, um, but bringing those inside, um, they're so bright and colorful, they can really make a space look much more cheery. So those are a fun one. Um, and then any of the wildflowers that we can grow here, um, right now our yard is covered in what we call a baby snapdragon. Um, we love to bring those inside and they last in a vase for probably four or five days and they have a slight scent to them, a little bit of a, that perfumey smell that roses have. So those are kind of a, an interesting one that would be good here in the spring that everyone's got right now. Maybe you're a newcomer to Arizona and have just found the show and you'd like to ask, Hey, I would like to try this plant or that plant. Well, now would be a great time for you to join the conversation Give us a ring, one 767 4348 Let us know what you're considering, where you came from, and what it is that you really like, and let's see if we can't come up with a great alternate that would fit better right here in the great state of Arizona on the desert floor, where it is probably different than any other place you ever came from. And a lot of that has to do with the soil. Angelique, I mean... Our, our desert soil is much different than any other place you could be coming from. How do we start there? Mm -hmm. Kind of like Jay was mentioning earlier about the fertilizers. So when we're planting, making sure that a plant actually will survive here in the first place. But then beyond that, you know, our soils, we try to mix in, you know, some a nice potting soil or mulch with a fertilizer um, and then mixing that with the native soil so that plant can slowly adapt to our soil because, you know, the acidity may be different from back east. Well, it is different from back east. Um, oh, boy. Th yeah, so those plants can kind of slowly adapt to our soil. But from there, it's trying to pick things that already do well here. You know, we have plenty of plants that are more of the desert-friendly, lower water, lower maintenance that we don't need to do as many amendments and fertilizers to. one 767 That's one 888 for you if you'd like to join the conversation. We're going to continue talking through plants that do great in Arizona and plants that don't. And Angelique was mentioning roses. You know, roses do do great in Arizona. Mm -hmm. 
if you go look at the West Valley by Luke Air Force Base, there's thousands of roses that, uh, you know, grow and, and sell in the stores. If you go to the Mesa Roses uh, Society, which is on the Mesa Community College campus, they've got, they're hugely famous for the roses. But the difference between those places in your home is the Mesa Rose Society probably has anywhere from seven to 800 volunteers that are constantly out there coming and maintaining. And, you know, they're, they, they're not paying the water bill. And, you know, the, the rose growers out in Glendale, you know, they're making a profit from that. You take that and apply it to your home. It's a whole different situation. That's what we're talking about is situations for your home. And it comes down to, how, you know, how much time you have to maintain it, how much money you want to invest, and how much water you want to use. So making a beautiful garden in your home with water, uh, low water use plants, but still beautiful colors. That's here at Rosie on the House. It's the outdoor bonanza at Rosie on the House today. We'll take your questions concerning anything having to do with your house, home, castle, or cabin. Feel free to join the conversation. Our lines are open at one 767 And this hour, we're particularly talking about plants that do and don't do well in Arizona. Hey, Angelique, you know, um, on your website for Think Green, Design, Build, Landscape, and there's a beautiful tab under um, uh, Landscape Plants and Trees. And I, Rosie and I are just really fond of the desert fauna anyway. You know, we, we yeah. get out a lot. We hike. We horseback ride. And I don't think, unless you get out in the desert, you don't realize how much color is out there. You think of it as being kind of brown. But there are so many wildflowers um, you know, do you do you encourage people to go that way, or or how do you develop that direction with a with a client? Do you encourage them to you know like there's the desert marigolds and there's um, you know there's just probably the orange mallow and yeah. the Hoffman segia and the, what's the purple fairy one? duster uh, lupine lupine you know, there's just a lot of desert wildflowers that are actually very pretty when we're talking about color. How do we get color in the yard? Yeah, so out in the native desert, the one you just mentioned was a globe mallow, and that's one that, you know, can be planted kind of more on that permanent basis where, you know, it can mm-hmm. actually be hooked up to irrigation and do really well in a more cultivated landscape. The wildflowers really depend on the client. Of course, wildflowers require more maintenance. They need to be sown and they need to be um, culled and controlled a little bit more. You know, they require specific timing. So I would love to put those in for more homeowners. Um, It's just finding that right person who is really interested in taking that on. For us at home, we have a huge wildflower garden that, you know, just has exploded in the last probably month and a half that, you know, started with gazanias and then went into the poppies and the baby snapdragons. Um, We actually don't have any lupine, which is one my husband and I were just talking about that we needed to get added into the garden. Um, because right now, if you're driving out to like Boyce Thompson Arboretum, um, you know, the the sides of the road there are just completely covered with lupine. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it, they are a little more temporary. So if, if you want something that's going to fit into the landscape, what what kind of things do you love that bring on a lot of color? Um, so if you want that wildflower look that will stay year-round, um, similarly to what Jay said earlier, you have to keep in mind that things here in the summer – most things are going to go into a little bit of more of a dormant state where they will likely still 
have some kind of presence in your yard but may not be super showy. Um, but the desert marigold, the angelita daisy, a blackfoot daisy, those would all be things that would be growing year-round, have flowers for the majority of the year, and they give you that delicate, colorful flower that feels like a wildflower without needing to worry about seeding them every year and keeping them in one place. So then on top yeah, of that... Most people, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. On top of that, you can do things like a bush morning glory. Um, that would be giving you that more lush green look that some people from back east may enjoy that gives you that permanent, really, um, like the lush look that some people may be looking for. You know, bushes are another idea, too. We have a lot of cassia in our yard. Yeah. And what what a wonderful, fresh smell. And I do cut those and bring them in regularly. And they will last a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really wonderful to bring them in. Kind of a little different, something to put in the house. Yeah, actually, cassia, the whole family, is one that I wanted to mention as something that um, – I see it sometimes in the landscape, and I really wish that we had more of because the entire cassia family from the outback cassia, silver, feathery, and the green cassia, they're all different sizes and textures, and you can really have all four of them in the same yard and really have a lot of variation and color that's blooming at a little bit of a different time, and they make really good cut flowers. I was talking earlier about a photograph that I was trying to take of the stinkweed and the marigolds and the sunset on the McDowell Mountains. And it just, my, my phone just couldn't capture it. But on, like, the very next day, I had to drive up um, towards the Fountain Hills area and a little bit past there. And at the base of the Four Peaks, between Swore Lake and Four Peaks, Romy, it looked like someone from the LSU Tiger Stadium uh, <laughs> turf management was there. It was all, the entire slope of the hill was purple and gold. It could have been a Michigan or an LSU. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. And I tried getting that shot from five or six different directions. And never never, never could do it justice. But, boy, I wanted to send that one home to, to all our all our family in South Louisiana. We're here with Angelique Kerbaugh talking. She's the landscape design architect at Think Green Design Build Landscape. They're located out at Scottsdale Air Park. Uh, they've been longtime certified partners of Roselle House. As a matter of fact, the current owner, Mr. Bill Jenkins, his mama, Rachel, wrote me my first paycheck in my entire life. Back in the summer of 1972, when I was being taught how to dig ditches. Talking, landscaping, or anything that you'd like to talk about, the lines are open. Miss Jess can take your call. I've got Jennifer down here in Tucson with me and Romy as well. But the, the studio is adequately staffed with experts to take your call and we'll address any question you might have. We're not in studio this morning because we've got the broadcast team down at the Tucson Convention Center for the Southern Arizona Home Builders Spring home show we'll be down here all day today and all day tomorrow we are doing the rosie on the house team is actually doing a stage demonstration at 2 30 uh room transformations 101 and it's just very easy simple things you can do to uh transform that spare extra bedroom 
down the hall that you're using just to store stuff in right now, your hoarding room. Let's clean it up and uh, make a room transformation. Romy's been filming the, the uh, productions. We'll probably turn that into a YouTube segment, and you would know about that if you're a subscriber to our YouTube channel. Get on there, subscribe to it. Every time we post something new for you, the Arizona homeowners, to do or try, or uh, to answer any one of your dilemmas, you'll be automatically notified that it is up there. We're talking right now landscaping, in particular to cover the article that is in our newsletter about plants that work in the desert and plants that don't work. And to do that, we brought in Angelique Kerbaugh, landscape architect with Think Green Design Bill Landscape, Design Bill Service, located out in the Scottsdale Air Park. Ms. Jennifer, you had some questions in particular for Angelique in the way of some of Angelique's hidden insights on vines and trees she knew, wish she knew more about. Yeah, Angelique, you've put some thought into this because this is your world. So um, why don't you share with us some things that uh, you would suggest. You talked about vines. Yeah. So a lot of times we have homeowners saying, you know, oh, my gosh, when I walk outside, you know, this side of my house is just a big blank wall and I want my garden to feel more lush and inviting. And so one way we do that is through vines. Vines are really nice because they tend to have a small footprint. So even if you have a small planter, you can still squeeze a vine in there and have a lot of greenery and life on that surface. So you can put them onto trellises. Um, I tend to try and stay away from any kind of vine that is a self-climber. So those vines have almost like little teeth and they love to attach to your stucco and end up really damaging it over time. So these vines would all really need to be on a trellis. Um, the first one that I really love is called the Lady Banks Rose. Um, it comes in a white and a yellow variety. The yellow is a very different yellow than what we're used to in the desert. A lot of our yellow plants here are a much brighter yellow. So this one's a really soft pastel yellow, which is really nice to complement other colors in the garden that most people like to have a variety of color, not just all monochromatic. So those, like other roses, they they do create a little flower that um, looks just like a rose. It's just smaller. They are fragrant, so you could potentially cut a, a little branch off that and bring that inside. Uh, they are incredibly prolific with their blooms. So if you get one in the ground... They're going to be spreading far and wide and really just covered with blooms. It may be one that as you're around the valley or maybe at the botanical garden, you'll see that one blooming right now. They take full sun. They're pretty hardy. Um, we do tend to cut them back a little bit every year just to keep them in check with their size. But essentially, they'll get as big as you let them get. And with vines, do you... I, you know, as far as placement, I picture vines being up close to the house. Are there other places you could put those that are creative? Yeah, I mean, you can put them up close to the house, but you can also put them on your back property wall that, you know, when you look out and you don't want to look at your cinder block wall, that's a place that you can install vines. So a lot of times people think that that needs to be, you know, a bigger hedge or a bigger shrub. But if you either don't want that, or you have a smaller space that you're working with, a vine can definitely fit in there. And there's all different kinds of vines, and they'll take all different exposures. Um, so 
in Phoenix, we are lucky that we have almost year-round growing season. We don't tend to have really hard frosts that kill back our plants. So another. I'm surprised vine, how well how well I see grapevines doing. Yeah, yeah, they tend to do really well here, which is always very surprising. I think for a lot of people, um, what plants that they may want to have brought here from back east that actually we can find a place for, you know, that there may be the north side of a building or, you know, a little pocket that has a special microclimate that we can get those special things to grow. I just wouldn't put them out in the middle of the front yard in, in full sun. And I like, I like shading a home with vines mm-hmm. on, on a lattice, the west and southern exposures, a couple feet off the house to yeah. allow that space to be cooled down. That does a ton for cutting down your summer cooling bills in a nice, heavy, vine-covered area off the wall of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one that would be good for that kind of space where it's going to be getting the more full sun is the tangerine cross vine. So it explodes with bright orange flowers. Um, They're a clustered flower that's a trumpet shape. So any of those trumpet shaped flowers, those are what attract all the hummingbirds. So, you know, who doesn't love having hummingbirds in their yard? That's a really good one to put in a full sun exposure. Another one that when you bring up. Hummingbirds, that was a point I was sitting here thinking about when, you know, a lot of these vines that we're talking about, they're not necessarily, you know, human edibles. And if you listen to the program a lot, especially (laughs) our outdoor living hour, one of the themes a lot of our hosts bring is, you know, if you're going to plant something, plant something you can't eat. Well, you know, it may not be something for human consumption, but Mm -hmm. these flowering vines you know can bring pollinators bees hummingbirds and these pollinators can help improve our gardens that uh, naturally to help improve you know the the produce we are growing at our home so it you know when you think of something planting something only you eat well it may not be something you eat directly but it's something that brings pollinators to help you know know, produce better foliage and harvest for what you are growing to eat Yes, most definitely. Yeah, bringing in all of those pollinators will definitely get them over to your um, growing garden or your eating garden that, you know, may not attract them all on its own. And do you, do you attract do you... other edibles, you know, birds, <laughs> natives. Uh, I, I don't know the game and fish rules on harvesting rabbits inside. Quail <laughs> <laughs> gumbo Angela, sounds do you pretty get good. Much... Do you get much request for edible landscape or are people mostly looking for things that are appealing to the eye or, or do people really, you know, what, what kind of requests are you, do you get the most of? Um, I would say we get the most requests of non-edibles. I think that a lot of people have that idealistic version of themselves where they go garden every weekend and they tend to these things and they get to eat straight out of their garden especially people coming from back east because they're, you know, I mean, how many times have you heard, oh, my gosh, the tomatoes in my garden, you could just bite them and, you know, dump the salt shaker on them and just go to town. Um, Everybody loves that idea of eating food that you've grown. It's a lot of work. So, um, you know, I, I love the idea and we do build garden boxes for a lot of our clients and set them up on specialty irrigation systems so that it is a little bit easier that, you know, the irrigation timer can run separately than your regular plants and help you out in that department to make your gardening easier. Good point. And when you talk about the irrigation, a lot of them, when you buy them, 
you know, they come with six stations as your base, mm-hmm. and you can add on 12 in a lot of cases. And, you know, it, it's actually really easy to fill all those up Yeah. when if you have a variety of plants and a variety of color and you're planning your landscape to have color year-round. You know, we, we talked about the different – all the varieties of color, Jennifer, but – it's the time of year as well. We, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting a lot of yellows right now with our Palo Verdes uh, mm-hmm. blooming out. Then you can have a lot of reds and you have a lot of pinks, but a lot of them don't come at the same time. So if you're really watering correctly to the plant, to the season, it's pretty easy to fill up a 12-station irrigation box. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Especially if you also have any kind of a an edible garden that – you know, maybe you have one shadier garden and one sunnier garden. You know, those are going to be on another two separate stations uh, to just help you manage the, the edibles better. All the more reason to have someone to help you design the whole thing because it's a lot to think about. Yeah. You mentioned you had a list of trees you like too, Angelique. Yeah. So um, when I was thinking about this show today and, you know, wanting to share things for people that don't deal with plants every day, um, one of the things is, is is trees. You know, we all know the mesquites and the Palo Verdes. And a lot of times people coming here are like, yeah, yeah, those are just the trees that exist here. But what about something special? What about something really green or a flowering tree? You know, you know, they may be used to having deciduous trees. So we actually do have those here. And I have a little list of them that grow really well. Um, so the mastic tree would be one. It's a smaller scale. It's a really beautiful green. It has a dense leaf structure. And it really gives you that, again, a back east feeling in a tree that is a low water, low maintenance tree. They really want to be left alone more than anything. Um, maybe just getting like a That's couple mastic. of prune. Yeah, mastic. I'm, I'm not familiar with the mastic tree. Yeah, that it's a really a good one. one to me as well. Yeah. Okay. What What's your next new one? Um, so a desert willow and a vitex would be my two that would be really good. Again, slightly smaller scale, but that's honestly what a lot of us need in our yards. We can't have huge trees in our space. Um, But those are both going to lose their leaves in the wintertime, and they both flower. So the desert willow has a very beautiful purple, uh, I would say more burgundy or hot pink flower. And then the Vitex has like a really big purple flower spike on it that – Everybody oohs and awes over whenever it's blooming. They are both fairly low in their litter except for when they lose their leaves. Um, the Vitex has a tiny little seed that when it falls, it almost just disappears into your rock. You don't really need to worry about going out and picking up a bunch of bean pods and you know cleaning up their leaves. They just break down really nicely and, and almost just disappear. Love that. I like that Love part. Love that a lot. <laughs> yeah. This is an Angelique. Kerbop, landscape architect with Think Green, Design Build Landscape. Uh, Angelique, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they contact you? So they can go on the website. We have a contact form there that when they um, email in, it'll go over to Erica in our office, and she is wonderful. Um, if you prefer to communicate via email, she'll go back and forth with you there, or she can give you a call and discuss your project over the phone. And then from there, um, if it's something you want to move forward with, then it gets passed to John. He'll give you some pricing and then to me to do your design work. So in the design process, we talk about, 
you know, really what your wants and needs are. And then I try to take your wants and needs and turn them into something that is first buildable um, and also (laughs) can be maintained in the way that you are ready to commit to. All right. Angelique Kerbaugh and the website that you would like them to to check out. Yeah, it's thinkgreenaz.com. And the phone number? Is 480-922-9497. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. We're discussing plants that do well in the desert and plants that don't. We've had a great conversation with Angelique Kerbaugh of Think Green Design, Build, Landscape. They do all kinds of things in the yard, all kinds of projects. But today we're just specifically talking about plants and getting some good ideas on what might work well in your garden and how you go about, not just your garden, but your landscape and how you go about choosing them and where, and so Angelique has one more really good list I want to go over. Does she? Okay. So, All right. Angelique, you were going to talk about things that you would like to see more of because you think they do really well here. Yeah. So some of these plants may be newer, so I kind of call them my up-and-coming plants. And then other ones are just ones that when I see them around the valley or you know out towards Superior or in the Desert Botanical Garden, um, they're ones that I just always think, man, those look so good. So one family of plants is called the emu plants, E-M-U. They're all from Australia, and so they really have a very similar climate in their area where they're naturally from to ours. So they do well in the heat. They do well in, you know, what we call our cold time, and they also have really nice flowers. Again, if you've been listening, those trumpet-shaped flowers are the ones that bring in all the hummingbirds and butterflies and bees. So um, a couple of those would be the valentine bush, and true to its name, it blooms around Valentine's Day. So it's giving you a nice winter color. It's one of the first plants of the year to bloom, so that one's really nice in that way. A lot of these other ones still do bloom over winter. Um, the, the valentine would just probably be one of the first ones. So the other one I love is an Easter egg. There's also one called Fire and Ice, Winter Blaze. And then one of the most common ones we've been seeing lately is called Bluebells. So that one's even getting used in medians and streetscapes of all different sorts. But it really looks nice in your own home when it's paired with a bunch of different varieties of colors. But, you know, knowing that it's surviving in all of these medians, it really is very hardy in the sun. It looks almost like a... That's always a good... That's always a good tip is to look in the medians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. So another you one. A, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You finish. Go ahead. Um, another one that I really love right now is the hot bush. You know, a lot of our older homes here may have an oleander hedge or, you know, oleanders around that may have been affected by some bugs over the years or are just kind of getting to the end of their lifespan. Um, so if you're looking to have a hedge around your property or something to cover up your walls a bit, the hot bush is one that stays green all year. It's really bright and pretty and will get to be, you know, eight feet tall, really, if you let it. This is why you reach out to a trained expert when you're contemplating modifying your current landscape scheme or creating something completely new because their breadth of information that they can bring to the design would be so critical. Oh, just listen to Angelique's description of color and yeah. and um, 
the description of the planet itself is kind of poetic. Right? Thanks, you guys. And then it kind of, yeah, it kind of opens your eyes to to what to appreciate. Angelique, really look and to pay attention to detail. Yeah. Uh, when, when we just had somebody say, "Is it a hot or a hop?" Oh, it's a hop. H O P. H O P. Yep, hop bush. Clarified it. Yeah. And then you had some great tips on where to find plants, Angelique. Yeah, so if you don't think that you're ready to jump into a full landscape renovation, um, a place for you to go experience plants or even purchase one or two of your own if you're just kind of wanting to give DIY gardening a try. Um, my favorite places to go are the Desert Botanical Garden here in Phoenix and also Boyce Thompson Arboretum out in Superior area. Um, they both have really different feelings to them. The Desert Botanical Garden here is really cultivated and beautiful, and they have their plant sale a couple times of the year, usually spring and fall. And then out at Boyce Thompson, you have so many different ecosystems there because they're right up against the mountain and a river. So they have a eucalyptus garden, and they have desert, and they're always adapting and changing out there. And so it's a really great place to go and experience plants in their native habitat. And um, they also have, I believe it's spring and fall for their plant sales too. And if you see something you like while you're out there, take a picture, but try and find a way to get the name of the plant in the picture. Because if you go right now in the spring and you see something blooming, well, there may be only a three-week window all year long that it's blooming that color. You could go back in the fall and think, well, that couldn't be the plant I was looking at. Well, no, it is. It's a blooming window for it. So take a picture with the name in it, or you're going to drive yourself crazy. Well, another tip for that. Trying to find download plant this on your phone the app and it will define it will identify it for you take a picture and it tells you what it is we use that in the desert all the time it's, okay it's yeah really really handy when those first developed the cambridge was the first one and i tried and it couldn't identify any desert this plants. one's amazing <laughs> this got... one's amazing but it does cost there's a it's a, there's and a what is it plant this plant this so it's got the desert database uploaded. it does okay. and it even tells you how to take care of things and stuff but um that's one great way but so, yeah, so the botanical gardens and also the botanical gardens have classes. They have a lot of education. So if you're interested in spending more time trying to figure it all out, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, if you go to either one of those, go with time on your hands and, and really take the time to take notes and enjoy it. Well, Miss Angelique, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come in the studio this morning and share with all the Arizona homeowners your knowledge on landscaping. Again, Angelique Kerba, she is the landscape architect at Think Green Design Build Landscape. And again, that website? ThinkGreenAZ.com. Thanks a million for coming in. Yeah, thank you guys. It was great talking to you. Yeah, it was awesome. We're broadcasting live from the Saba Home Show down at Tucson Convention Center. We'll be highlighting that in the upcoming hour. Y'all stay tuned.